0: You know. We've been in this series, and we're going to finish it today, and we've been talking about having the ridiculous faith like Elisha has, or had. Um, We were looking at some things in the past several weeks um, about how Elisha had sort of risen to the occasion when Elijah saw him plowing in the field, and God directed him there to sort of pass the mantle over, to Elisha, and we saw some miraculous things that Elisha got to be a part of, had to be got to be used by God in in miraculous ways, and and I've just been enjoying getting to know Elisha just a little bit better and what he's been sort of about, and and what what he has done. And I mean, he raised someone from the dead, and and he and that was amazing. And then he, the Shunammite woman, you know, he he blessed her life with a son, and then had to had to raise him from the dead. Amazing. Amazingly, And we talked about how when he was called, he left his his plows and his oxen behind, and he just went, went where the Lord guided him. I mean, he didn't have to think about it, he didn't have to pray, but he's like, I'm there, I'm in. Let me go say goodbye to my parents, and I'm in, I'm all in, I'm in with you, Elijah, let's roll. And we talked about how we can't confuse Elijah and Elisha, and sometimes we always do. Um, but we move into the latter part of Elisha's life now, and, and we're getting into um, the later years. He's been dealing with some illness, he's getting older, uh, there have been some kings that have done good and done evil in the Lord's sight, as the word says, and now Elisha is sort of uh, taken a step back, so to speak. And he's um, dealing with his own issues. And the, it, it says in the scripture that he was he was um, ill. He had some illness. And he was looking toward the end of his life at this point. And it's in 2 Kings chapter 13. If you'd care to go over there. 2 Kings 13. We're going to be looking at sort of a parable in action this morning. We'll look at an object lesson from the simple little archery instruction that he gives um, the, the king in this instance. And he actually uh, uses a sermon prop, which I appreciate. Um, it makes me feel better, maybe, about some of the props that I've used in the past, um, because here the prophet Elisha, one of the most powerful preachers in the Bible, uh, that the Bible has ever really recorded. Elisha, right? He's the he's the man in this in this time, and, it, and instead of speaking to the king about what he needs to do, he shows him. And and sometimes actions, if you will, speak louder than words, right? Sometimes it's, it's not about what we understand or declare, but it's about what we actually do that determines the measure of our success or the measure of our witness. And I love this story because Elisha uses a sermon prop, and I just love that, you know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not above that, as some of you know. I've used some props before. Uh, one time I dragged a teenager around the platform. Wasn't it Hunter? Yeah, it was young Hunter Hunter Hoffman about this tall then, and I drug them around, I still had those chains in my office, I drug them around using some chains, um, one time I preached out of a tent, remember that, I had a big tent on here, and, and I come out of the tent, because Abraham with the tent and all that, that was fun, and, and another time, uh, I've used stones, and I've used bread, and one time I actually shot TP from a leaf blower, remember that, that was a fun time. But used, I'm not ashamed or above using some. I'm not ashamed to, uh, to use sermon props to keep y'all's attention. Sometimes, all right. And, and sometimes I would be like, you know what? Do I really need to do that? Do I need to have the bread there? Do I really need that? But then uh, I looked at the life of Jesus, right? And when he was preaching, now Jesus was the Word made flesh, right? He was the Word made flesh. And when he came to preach, he would often point to things to illustrate his point. You know, he would use objects to get his messages across. And he would often relate things to, to the culture and, the, and the, the people that were listening. And when he would talk about worry, remember, he would point to the birds. And he would say, well, you know, if God can feed them, what are you worried about? Right? And none of them falls to the ground without him knowing it. Then you think God doesn't have his eye on your life? He's watching over you. Jesus would use these things. He would, he would point to the mountain, right, and say, you know, see that mountain If you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, if you believe a little bit, you can do a lot. One time he wanted to show them how he was the bread of life. So he told the disciples, remember, feed the people. They said, well, we can't. He said, exactly. So when you bring your I can't to the one who was and is and is to come, Christ wanted to show them that he was the resurrection one time. So he actually, Lazarus died. And remember, he could have come. Remember, they said, if you'd have been here my brother would not have died. Remember that? But Jesus knew that. He actually let Lazarus die. And I might be reaching a little bit here, but he used dead Lazarus for a sermon prop. He did. He pointed to the tomb and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he showed them that he was pointing to every dead thing that was in those people's lives to come to life. Lazarus Come forth. And he came out. And he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Talk about a sermon prop. And it makes me feel good that when the king came to Elijah, Elisha, if you just say it's either one. If the king came to Elisha, he used the prop. So King Jehovah was struggling with his kingdom, uh, Je- Jehoash, I'm sorry. King Jehoash was struggling with his kingdom and his relationship with God in this scripture. And, and he's had these ups and downs, and, and he's had some times where the, the Bible says that he did evil in the Lord's sight, and he was like, not a good king. But then eventually he sought the Lord's favor. And I think that he kind of came to his senses in, in a way. And, and, and through this ups, these series of ups and downs, even though he comes to his senses, and in his, his last final request, if you will, his army has been decimated. Uh, he only has a few chariots and horses and several thousand men, not anything compared to the armies that are coming in against him, the armies of Aram. So he calls on the prophet Elisha. Remember, Elisha is a forerunner to the prophet Jesus Christ, the greatest prophet. Uh, Elisha is a foreshadowing, foreshadowing of Jesus. So we, we, we have to keep that in mind the whole time we read about him. And Elisha, as I said, is not well physically. He's getting older, and he's getting weak, and and he has some sort of illness. But that did not stop the king from wanting to meet with him. And I want to read it to you in case you're just joining us on the series, or you don't really know a lot about Elisha. I want to pull you in this morning. Uh, Take a look at verse 15. Verse 15, Elisha said, Get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. And he said, Take the bow in your hands. And he said to the king of Israel when he had taken it. When he had taken it. Remember, not when he looked at it. Not when he was considering it. Not when he prayed about it. When he had taken hold of what Elisha told him to get. Take action, Elisha was saying. Take hold. Take the bow. And the king said, and the scripture says that he had taken it. Took action on what the prophet had spoken. Keep that in mind. Elisha put... His hands on the king's hands. You see, God's guidance, hands in hands, is always awaiting your participation. God's guidance is always waiting for you to say, Yes, Lord. He's waiting. He's he's, he's calling you. He's wanting you to jump into the fight. He's calling you to something specific. And God's guidance, He puts His hands on your hands and He says, Come on. And when he did what he was told to do, so I'm thankful that God guides my life. Amen? 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 Y'all okay this morning? You seem a little tired. You're about to wake up. I'm about to get your attention. Just picture, I just picture how God's hands, right, come upon our own hands. Even in seasons, we may not really want Him to lead us. He leads you. Even though you may not really know how to pray, what to say, how to, what, how to, how to follow the Lord. He says, I got you. I got you. And when he put his hands on the king's hands, he gave him an instruction. He says this in 17. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Now he didn't open the window for the king. He pointed in the direction that the battle would give the victory if the king would dare to face and fight it. So then the king opened the window, and Elisha says, shoot. And he shot, it says. And then the prophet declared, the Lord's arrow of victory. The arrow of victory over Aram. That confederation of nations that had been oppressing God's people. The arrow of victory over Aram. See, the arrow represents victory for this king. It's in his strength and in his arm, the Lord's. The arrow represents the Lord's victory for this king. And we'll see that. And it's a lesson for us to actually see the victory before we actually seize the victory. To see, there was, there was a song that we sang at family camp. I think it was Greater Things that it said, I'm going to see this from the victory. Right? Well, what is it? I'm going to see the, the problem from the victory, something like that. So we already have the victory. And I'm gonna, we have that advantage as Jesus followers to see the situation from the victory. God's already won. He says it's an object lesson. He says, shoot it out there. That represents the victory. And he shot it. And he said, you will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. Completely destroy them. then he said, take the arrows. Take the arrows. And the king took them. And Elisha told him, strike the ground. And he struck it three times and stopped and the man of God was angry with him and said you should have struck the ground five or six times he wanted the king to know that you could have had everything God wanted you to have but you quit too quickly because he didn't see nothing happened the king struck the ground with the arrows three times he's like one time okay two times he looks around three times he looks around again nothing's happening he stops And Elisha's like, why did you stop? You quit, king, when you didn't see it happening. You quit when you didn't feel it. He said, you only worship God when he gives you the goosebumps, right? Hello. See, I love Elisha. He was a straight shooter. Get it? Come on. I mean, but he told him what he needed to hear. He said. He said to the king. He said, "You should have, you could have, and you would have, but you only did it three times." Now, getting back to this idea of a sermon prop. Now, see, if I was still using sermon props, I would have had, um, I would have had arrows up here and and some some stuff to use. But I wonder if anyone brought some arrows. Maybe on the front row this morning. Are there some arrows that? Oh, look. Jen Hoffman came completely prepared this morning. I'll take some of those arrows. Look at this. How about it? So we got some arrows. Wow. Thank you. She's just sitting on them arrows like nothing was going on. Like she wasn't even using them. I'm just going to sit on these arrows and they're just sitting here. What are you sitting on that God's calling you to that you're not using? All right. Hello. Hello. I told you I'm going to get your attention this morning. But he said, you should have taken everything that God gave you and kept on striking until you saw it happen. Until you see in your life what reflects God has spoken over your life. King, keep striking the ground. But it wasn't a deficiency in the artillery that the king needed to be defeated. It was sort of his lack of, well, I'll use the word from the scripture, drive. It was a lack of drive. He wouldn't drive every arrow into the ground. He should have just kept on pushing. You know, we need a push every now and then. You know, we all come to the place in our lives where we need somebody to pray for us. We need somebody to come alongside of us. We need somebody to come and give us a little push and motivate us in the right direction. Someone to come alongside and say, you know what, you, you can do it. In the Lord's strength, and I'll help you do it. And sometimes, in some ways, I feel like it's my job sometimes to give you all a little push as you go into your week, right? Like, just a little nudge, a little push, just a little little shove, maybe a little... Just a little push. A little push. That's what we do in worship, right? That's why we sing, and that's why we praise. It gives you a little push into the week. And I know some weeks you come in, you don't feel like praising God, you got a lot going on in your life, and you come in here heavy-hearted, and a lot on your mind... And, and I know that there's some weeks you come in here and you don't necessarily feel like praising God. I know it. I see it on your faces sometimes. I know you had a rough ride into church sometimes. It's been a rough morning. You've had a bit of a struggle. <laughs> maybe with your significant other or your kids or something on the way to church. And you had a little, maybe you even said some things on the way to church that weren't very, very godly. And you come in and you see the greeters and you say, well, praise the Lord this morning, sister, Brother. But what I'm saying this morning and what I'm going to talk about really doesn't have a whole lot to do with just these arrows. It also has a lot to do with the other instrument that God used in this scripture. And if I was using sermon props, I'd have had a bow up here. I wonder if there's anybody in the front row that might have brought a bow. Look at this. Look at that. I told you the Hoffmans do a lot in this church. She has a big purse. But she's brought a bow. Look at that. I told you I'm going to get your attention this morning. I don't even know which end is up on this thing. Is it like this? It's like that, right? It's kind of a scary notion. But it's the bow. It's the bow. The whole thing started with a bow. The scripture said, grab yourself a bow and some arrows get a bow and get some arrows like I said I don't know which end is up man is this a lefty no Wes you want to come up here and give me some instruction he said not really is it like this and you put it in here like this white up that's important look at that and you, and you just pull it back right and it'll shoot and it'll shoot Look at everybody ducking. Oh! But on the count of three, I'm gonna shoot this thing. You ready? Are you ready? Said <laughs> no way. White right up. On the count of three. Here we go. Ready? Nobody's ready. No one said yeah, Pastor. You go ahead. Count it down. Help me out. Ready? One, oh two, three. Oh. That's that's the way it goes. Let me try it again. Look, count me down again. This is it's white up, white up. All right, we're getting there. All right, here we go. Count me down. Count me down. One, two, white up. One, two, three. Oh, not much farther. I don't understand what. I mean, I took the shot, right? I feel kind of silly up here because I, I kind of saw that arrow flying through the air. In my mind, I was like, yeah, this is this great illustration. I'm not above using props, right? But for some reason, why up? You said, and yet it still didn't go. W- what am I doing wrong? What? You have, the bow has to be Pulled. The bow has has to be pulled. Huh. The bow has to have a pull. I want to preach to you for 20 minutes this morning about pulling power. Pulling power. Once you understand the power of God's pull, once you understand that the power of God is not in your effort not by your might or by your strength, but by His Spirit, it's good to get a push, right? It's good to get a push once in a while. Some people, you know, they'll like this king, they'll do what they're told as long as someone is pushing them. And everything Elisha told the king to do, he did. Everything he did, he said, get a bow. He got it. He said, get some arrows. He got it. Strike the ground. He struck it but it was the moment that elisha took his hands off the king's hands he said all right king it's in, it's all you now some people have to be pushed to praise god but other people see some people have to be pushed you got you got to sort of come on man you got to go you got to get it you got to go some people have to be pushed but other people have something on the inside something on the inside that says you know what you don't have to prompt me you don't have to prompt me to lift my hands. My hands are lifted and my mouth is full of praise. You don't have to prompt me. You don't have to push me. I'm gonna, there's something inside of them that pulls them. What's another word for when you pull back the bow? Draw. Draw. Right. Something inside them draws them to worship. Draws them to the Lord. They don't have to be pushed or convinced or talked into or any of that. Something inside them draws them or pulls them. See, before, before I was armed, right? I was armed. Now I'm dangerous, right? right. I was armed before, but now I'm, Dave, dangerous. Now, you know what, devil, I got something for you. The devil isn't scared, right, when I come at him like this. But you get a little bit of God's pull, a little bit of God's leverage. Someone say, I got pull i got pull. So Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians. Go there if you want to. It will be on the screen. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3, verse 3. Paul says that though we walk in the world, we don't wage war according to the world or the flesh. He says what? That our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. You see, in, in your, that's why you struggle. See, you've been pushing. You've been pushing and, pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And you get worn out and you get tired of pushing and pushing. But God said, if you would just pull. If you would just pull. See, this, this is motivation. And it'll work. It, it'll, you can get motivation, Right? I can motivate you. I feel like if I give you a nice little talk on Sunday morning, I can motivate you, right? In the church. And that will get you to about Wednesday. But if there's something inside of you, and see, that's what Jehoash didn't have. See, if there's something inside of you, that's not motivation, that's inspiration. Something pulling me from the inside that makes you want to come in and praise. That makes you want to witness to your neighbor. That makes you want to show someone the love of Jesus. It's that pull inside of you. It's not forced. It's not no one's pushing you. Go talk to them. Go talk to them. Go talk to them. You have this pull. This God is drawing you to these people. And that's what's something that, that Jehoash didn't have. There's something that the inside of you that makes you go. God gives you that strength. The Holy Spirit gives you that, that, that pull. He draws you, right? We call it wooing sometimes, right? The Holy Spirit calls you and then says, you know what? Go talk to your neighbor. Go repair that relationship in Jesus' name. Go get rid of that bitterness. For Jesus' sake, and shine some light into a dark world in your family, among your friends. Something pulled me in my life to this pulpit. Something pulled me to preach.
1: Not that I wanted to do it, I had to do it.
0: I was drawn, I was pulled. I want to serve Him. I love to serve Him. I love to worship Him. I want Him, I need Him in my life. I have this pull, this draw. I've got to look back a little bit on my life. And you can look back on yours. That God has been pulling you according to His purpose. Sometimes you don't see it. Sometimes I don't see it. Sometimes I feel like life is just pushing me around. You ever feel like life is just kind of pushing you around? You're getting pushed around a little bit? I don't know if you ever felt like that, but maybe God is now turning that back and pulling you and drawing you instead of getting pushed by life. I found out that the power in a bow, I did some research, I never held one in my hand, so there's a difference between reading something and doing something. Oh, I read all about it, Pastor, I think we could do it. And then you get into it and you're like, whoa, what are these wheels for? And I don't know what this is. White up, I didn't know that. What's this little circle thing? It's got to be something. But I found out that the power from the bow, as we've learned, comes from the pressure. This pressure that you're pulling back. And I'm smart enough not to let go of that, believe me, thank you. Because Wes is wondering, he lets go of that thing. We're going to be... He was worried, he said. The power comes from this pressure. And the pull comes from God. And I can use a lot of biblical examples of how this works in people's lives throughout the Scripture. But look at, look at, the, uh, look at the man named Joseph, right? Joseph said at the end of his life, after he saw that what, what God's purpose had been all along had been fulfilled, and he saw the entire portrait, not just one little snapshot of it, but the whole panoramic view of Joseph's life, he was able to say to his brothers in, in Genesis, he says, well, you meant it for evil, remember that? But God turned it around and used it for good. His brothers had actually, if we could use the same words, his brothers had pushed him into a pit. His brothers pushed him into a pit. You ever, been, you ever felt rejected? You ever been pushed around a little bit? His brothers rejected him and pushed him into that pit. But he said, you know what? You meant it for evil. You were pushing me and you were pushing me around, but the hand of God was pulling me. His whole circumstances, the brothers, Potiphar, the whole thing. He was being pushed around and pushed in different directions. But you know what? The whole time in his life, God was pulling him. And when it didn't go away, when I wanted to Joseph said, I figured out that God turned it around. They talked about me. They were pushing me. God was pulling. See, the hand of God has always been... No, close by. The hand of God. If you would just... In the beginning we read about God... Elisha representing the Lord... Joining hands with the king. People were pushing Joseph on one hand... And God was pulling him with the other. And ultimately God wins out in Joseph's life. And he recognized the pulling power of God. And when you understand the pulling power... Life doesn't seem so random anymore. Right? Life doesn't seem like so random. You start to connect the dots in the history of your life. And you think, oh, that's why you put those people in my life. That's why I ended up at that church. That's why I ended up hearing that message. That's why that song came on. You start. Life doesn't seem so random anymore. If you look out this way, you sometimes you can't see it. But you look back and you see... I, I, I look out at the crowd, right? I look out at you folks, and I know a lot of your stories. And I know how, how, how this has played out in your lives. And if you can't, if you look back just a little bit, it, does, it doesn't seem random anymore, suddenly you can connect the dots. I was talking to Brother Steve this morning, and he gave me the, the, the history lesson of how he met his wife. And how that maybe now, Steve, doesn't seem so random. Doesn't seem like something that just sort of happened because someone didn't have a ticket for a show and now all of a sudden you're sitting here. There's a little post-it note that I keep in my office. And it's a funny little thing. It's a bright pink post-it note um, that our administrative assistant, Audrey, gave me one day. And all it says is two words and a phone number. It says Steve Vanderveen and his phone number. And I didn't know Steve at all, really. And in fact, we had a little meeting outside one day and we talked about some things. And I thought Steve was a little upset with me. And so I get a pink post it note Steve Vanderveen wants you to call him. Well, that's random. In my life, I think that's random. Okay. So I had that pink post it note and I'm sort of looking at it like, because a lot of you say, Pastor, can we talk? And you don't give me any more. I don't know if it's going to be the most wonderful thing I've ever heard or the worst criticism that I've ever heard in my life. Can we talk? So I get this post-it note. And so I said, all right, well, got to do the right thing. And I call the number, and he says, yeah, can you make some time? for?" Now he wants to come here. All right. He comes. Steve, I hope you don't mind me telling. I've told it before. But he comes here. And a long story short, we have one of the best conversations in my office. Tears are flowing between the two of us, him more than me. Just to go on the record. Because you know what? He's starting to connect the dots in his life. And has come to a point and said to me, I am not saved. And I want to be saved right now. What a great day. I keep that post-it note on my desk, stuck somewhere to remind me, not of Steve, and I don't want to single you out, but remind me of all of the people that can look back on their life and think, you know what, life is not random. Steve felt pulled to call me, and I mean, I'm sure that was, he doesn't know me, I don't know him, but that post-it note represents why we do what we do in this church, and why we do what we do for the Lord Jesus. Because that one person may call you or give you a note someday and say, you know what? Well, I need to talk. And they come in and leave that room a different person, a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I didn't even want to, I didn't even plan that, brother. But thank you for sharing the story again with me this morning. So needless to say, that didn't happen because someone didn't have a ticket. It's the pull of God. It wasn't those your wife or anyone in here, and just relate the story, that pushed you to come to church one Sunday. It wasn't, see, God used your wife. My friends, Amy and Lee, back before I was saved, begged me to come to church and begged me to come to church. And they were pretty pushy. They were very pushy in my mind. Uh, they were... They would show up at my house, Bible in hand. And in my mind, they were being extremely pushy. I mean, they were pushing me. But you know what? All the while, God was pulling me. All the while, God said, oh, I'm going to reach Him. And I'm going to use Him. See, this morning, your car didn't bring you to church. God brought you to church. He's pulling you. He said, get a bow and get some arrows and I'm going to get your attention again. No, I'm, I'm not. Everybody takes this deep breath. I'm, I'm extreme sometimes, but not stupid. But an object lesson on how God works. God is pulling you. God is drawing you. God is drawing you into your purpose in life, right? We say that God has created you for a purpose, and there's no doubt about that. But sometimes it's a little painful. Now you're really nervous. But you know what? He's, he's pulling. And if you look back, you can see the trajectory of God's purpose in your life. He's pulled me out of some pits that I have fell into based on my own stupid decisions. Can I get a witness this morning? He's pulled me out of some pits that I've made some dumb calls and He's pulled me out and He's redeemed me. And it's funny, just like He said He would. How many are grateful for the hand of God that pulls you out? See, He's pulling. And What was Elisha doing when Elijah threw the mantle on his shoulders? Remember back in week one when we read about Elisha? Uh, what was he doing? He was plowing, right? He was a Plowman. Plowman. He was driving his plows in a field one day. He wasn't pointing himself out at all to be used by God. See, when you're in in position of your purpose for God, God will point you out. God will find you. You don't have to self-promote. You don't have to do anything. But God will put someone in your life many times who will come for you and say, you know what, this is what God told me about you. You don't have to get, like, stand up or get somebody to like you or notice you. Someone will appoint, God will appoint someone to come to you. Many, many times. Elijah wasn't even looking for Elisha, if you remember, until God spoke his name and showed him where to go and his exact location. And this is sort of an illustration. I realized that Elisha was telling the king to do, at, at the end of his life, Elisha was telling the king to do what Elisha had been doing in his life all along. You see, God had been calling and pulling Elisha all along. Remember when he was driving his oxen. Um, he was, the Bible said he was driving 12 yoke of oxen. Remember that? And he said this. He said, so in 1 Kings, remember, Elijah went from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat. And he was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen. And Elijah went there and found him. Why? See, you missed it. The only reason that Elijah had found Elisha in the first place is because God led Elijah to him. It was like a supernatural thing, like, this is my guy. And he went and he found him. So God pulled Elijah, Elijah and he found him in a field pl- plowing with twelve yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Remember that? And you know how oxen are, right? Because you got plenty of experience with oxen, right? I've plenty. But oxen are kind of slow. And you have to drive them, right? You're constantly, come on oxen, they're big and they're slow, and let alone twenty-four of them. But sometimes they'll just stop on you. So you've got to drive them and keep them going. And he's driving them. You know how you do with oxen. He's He's driving them, and he's getting them to go. And then verse 20 says this. When Elijah passed by, which represented Elisha's purpose that he wasn't even looking for yet. How many you weren't even looking for God, and he found you, right? Elijah, Elisha surely wasn't looking for God, it doesn't mention that. And yet, Elijah found him, and I know that's my story. I wasn't really necessarily looking for God, but there he was. He drew me to himself. Now the only one who is driving is now being drawn. You know what I'm saying. Elisha is driving his oxen. Now he leaves that and he left his oxen and he ran after. Now he's being drawn. So the driver is now being drawn. And he's being drawn by his purpose. Elisha is being drawn in to the purpose of God for his life. He wasn't looking for it. He wasn't expecting it. And in fact, he'd been driving the oxen right up until that point. And that's what happens when grace enters your life. It's what happens when God reveals something to you like, Oh, I'm drawing you. It's what happens when you let go of your way when you stop trying to push and you stop trying to manipulate and you stop trying to call your own shots and you say, you know what, Lord? I'll go where you want me to go. Wherever you lead, I will follow. And he drew Elisha and he drew me and he's drawing you to himself. God is getting you ready as you sit here this morning. God is getting you ready for what He has in your life. He wants you to be serious about serving Him. Because apart from Him, that's not your purpose. You might have to leave some doubts behind. You might have to leave some dysfunctions behind. But He's calling you. He's drawing you. Elisha said, you know what? Remember this. I can't spend the rest of my life looking at oxen rears. Remember that? Immediately, he left his oxen and ran. He's drawing me. I'm not pushing my way through life, struggling, getting exhausted, getting tired. I'm actually, I have some pull. I have some pull. Remember, and something came to me while I was preparing this message. You ever have a friend that works at a restaurant, or you need to get your car fixed, and you know a guy? You ever know somebody like on the inside? Who like, you know, if the regular general public was to come up and want a reservation at the restaurant or something or to get in on a busy night, necessarily they couldn't get in. But you know someone on the infl- inside, right? So you say, you know what? I know somebody on the inside, guys. Let me go because I have some pull. Right. And, and another word that you could use for that is influence, right? I have some influence. I know we can't get this big crowd in here on a Friday night, but I, I know the chef. I know the owner. I know the, I have some pull. I have some influence. I have some influence. I have a sense that I can get this done. See, a sense of purpose will often pull you. There are some young people in this church, and we've seen them. Some of them are on the God Squad. Some of them are sitting in these seats. There are some young people under the sound of my voice who are being pushed by popularity. They're being pushed by likes. And pushed by acceptance. And you're being pushed to fit in with a certain crowd. Popularity can only get you so far. Popularity cannot give you a sense of significance. But if you let the purpose of God pull on your life. God's purpose has been pulling on your life. And if you let God pull your life in a direction. And you say Lord here am I. You can realize the purpose and the trajectory of your life with God far outweighs acceptance and someone that you don't even like hitting like on one of your pictures. God has always been pulling in my life. He's always been drawing me. And I know a lot of times in, in, in your life God is drawing you. He's pulling you closer Even when you wanted to wander, He's pulled you. That's why you're here. God brought you here this morning. I always say that no one's here by accident, right? God brought you here. Because He wants you to think about His pulling power. Paul said, Our weapons of warfare are not fleshly or carnal. The flesh is a a pattern. A pattern in your life. The weapons are not carnal. But he said they're of God for the pulling down of strongholds. And I promise you, if you will continue to listen to God's pull in your life, God, he's drawing you. I promise you. That's why a lot of you are here this morning in this place. Because God drew you here. You you may not have even realized it. You said, well, we're just going to go to church. But you know what? You showed up and God had something for you this morning. God had something for you. And even if you're just pushing, even if you're just going through the motions, even if you you didn't feel that and you just showed up here because it's what you do, you know, keep pushing. Keep pushing. Make yourself come back often enough to hear from God. And and I'll tell you, your car will just immediately drive you to the parking lot on Sunday mornings. He's pulling you according to His purpose for your life. Elisha said, this represents the Lord's victory over Aram. And it's not by our strength or by our power but by His Spirit. You know what I found also that's interesting? And we'll close with this. Randy, you can make your way up here. I found that um, archery is... A lot of archery terms are in the Scriptures, and you may have heard this before, but I found that in as much research as I've done, the word sin, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? All have sinned. The word sin in some circles is an archery term. Did you know that? It's an archery term. And it it means to miss the mark. Yeah. And I looked at some archery websites and thought, is that, come on. That's just a preacher thing. And I found that it's actually, it's actually true. It means to miss the mark. So all have sinned, and fallen short of the glory of God, right? Maybe the reason that I fell short is because I didn't have the leverage of God. I didn't have God's drawing, God's pulling, and God's direction. But maybe that's why, maybe that's why I'm falling short Because I never really committed to the pull of God in my life. Now you can't throw this far enough for the battle that can be in your life. This You can't throw this far enough or hard enough to combat the enemy of your soul. By God's grace if you follow his pull he can help you overcome the enemy he can help you shine light in darkness he can give you eternal life you can't do it on your own, you can't throw it hard enough it's not by my might or by my strength but by His Spirit, says the Lord. You can't, not for the battles that are coming. The battles in your life, you can't throw it hard enough. You can't do it on your own. You cannot. I don't have to ask for a witness on that because I know. That's what the grace of God has been in my life. The grace of God has pulled me and kept me and at times where I don't want to go on, that's where grace kicks in. God's pulling power. Right now, in the presence of God, there is grace available for whatever heirloom you're facing, whatever battle is in front of you. There's grace that is sufficient, the Bible calls it, for you. And I believe, with everything that's in me, that in this message and you being here this morning, that God is drawing somebody this morning. God is drawing somebody. He's pulling on you. Maybe you haven't taken that step to be fully committed to Him. Whatever it is, you know that you know, because I sat where you sit. I know when I feel God pulling. And it's not the music that's playing behind me. It's not anything emotional at all. It's the Spirit of God that is pulling on you right now. In fact, I want to give an invitation for you right now. Please stand. You may be younger, you may be older, you may be somewhere in between. I don't really care. But someone, God is drawing you to be near to Him. Now I can't push you into this decision or it wouldn't be your decision. I'm not trying to talk you into anything. I'm not trying to convince you of something. We're not playing music, so it sets that I'm not doing any of that. But if you feel this morning, and if it makes you better, you can get in that moment of, uh, of reflection, in closing your eyes and maybe bowing and just kind of reflecting on what you're hearing God saying to you. But if you feel God drawing you right now and you know you feel like you've fallen short, the glory of God, because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. I want to just facilitate the presence of God in your life this morning. As He pulls you, as He draws you in. The Bible says in the Spirit and the Bride says, come. See, God offers an invitation. God will never, never, ever, ever push you. He'll pull you. God Jesus doesn't force himself into your life he says I stand at the door and I knock he doesn't say I kick the door in he doesn't say I I force my way and he says I stand and I knock will you let him in you know Jesus never said let's get going I'm dragging you along he said follow me he made it that simple he said just let me pull you along let me pull you along. I know where I'm taking you, says the Lord. I know it could be uncharted waters. Remember, Abraham. I know where I'm taking you, Abraham. Just go around, I'll show you. I'll take you somewhere, Abraham. You just gotta trust me. He will lead you beside still waters. Realize that God has been leading you all your life. You're not here by accident. He's been pulling you. That's what you feel right now in your heart. It's not the words I've spoken. It's not necessarily even anything that's happened here this morning. It's the pull of God. It's the grace of God. It's the drawing power of the Holy Spirit. God is drawing you to this moment to Himself. So on this day, for all who are far away from God and and wonder where He is, desire to be brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ, cleansed, forgiven, redeemed, renewed, restored, made righteous in the presence of God. His grace is available this morning. And believe me when I tell you, the Scripture says His grace is is sufficient his grace as one songwriter put it his grace is enough his grace is enough he's drawing you now you bow your heads if you haven't already if you feel the pull of God this morning and he's drawing you in and drawing you near And you would accept that hand that He wants to put your hand in His hand and pull you and guide you. If you would surrender to Him this morning and you're answering that pull, that call, that draw with a resounding yes, Lord. You haven't been there so far in your life or maybe you have and you've sort of just sort of let the things of God wane a bit in your life, but you're ready to say, "You know what, God? I need to follow Your pull. Put Your hand in my my hand in Your hand, God, and You'll pull me along. You'll get me through, and Your grace is enough." If that's you this morning, just slip your hand up this morning and say, "God, I I, I receive it. I receive Your grace this morning." Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. As you reflect on what the Holy Spirit is saying and pulling you. If that's you this morning, just slip your hand up. I'll lift your name in prayer before the God who is able. Say, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me. I'm ready. I need to to respond to the pull. Amen. Father, you've seen the hands that were raised this morning. God, people that would respond to your pull in their life, realizing that They're at this point in their life, not by accident, but only by your grace. Even though they haven't followed you maybe all the days of their lives, you've still been there. And now, Lord, they can turn it around. And maybe there are some people that meant harm to them or people that have not been very nice or God, like Joseph, thrown them figuratively figuratively into a pit. But now, Lord, we can turn it around and say, you know what, what this world and what the enemy meant for evil in my life, God, you have turned it around and turned it for good. And God, we would use the experiences that we've been through to help someone else along their journey. God, maybe that's the purpose that you've put in people's lives this morning. The reason we had to go through some things, the reason we went through some stuff, and then you redeem it, turn it around in order for us to help someone else who may be going through the very same thing. But God, we respond to your pull in our life. And realize, God, that if we get a hold of what you have for us and follow your direction and your lead and your leverage in our life against the enemy, that the, tra- the trajectory of our lives really is unmatched by any. Because God, the God of salvation, the God of the universe is now on the inside and we can follow and we can be pulled and we can be led and we will be obedient. God, your grace is sufficient for me I thank you Lord for everyone who has come into this place I pray Lord that your blessing would be upon their lives and they would realize the pull of the Holy Spirit and we would all be obedient God when we hear you pulling I thank you for meeting us here I pray Lord that everyone would stay for the wonderful time of fellowship and the picnic in just a few moments Lord God, we give our lives to you this morning. And may we express the fellowship and the love we have for one another during the picnic time and the time of meeting together and eating together and sharing a meal. And God, would you bless the food that's being prepared and that it would be, Lord, nourishment into our bodies, not so that we can go to work tomorrow, not that we can do but so that we can serve you and have strength to praise you and give you a shout of praise when we need to, God that nourishment that we get, Lord, would give us that strength. We love you, Lord. We thank you in advance for what you're about to do in these people's lives. And we ask your blessing this morning. Go with us, but don't depart from our presence, God. Might we be right there with you all the days and moments of our lives. And it's in Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. And everyone said amen and amen. And nobody got shot. Y'all were worried. I know you were.